G'day, welcome to On The Road, the number one Australian trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. We're an independent voice in Australian trucking and proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Welcome to the show. Double Bob today. Bob rang me up and said, just press record. So I did. Interesting conversation. You might get something out of that one. Andy's got an artist who calls herself Josie. Apparently, if it's good enough for Sher, good enough for Sting, it's good enough for Josie. I'm curious now. I'd love to know what her last name is. Anyway, we've got her. As I said, Double Bob. Bob's in with the phone call. Then he's got something to talk about. And we round out the show with Tom Curtin. We've got the news. At the end of the news, I have a bit of a talk about the letter that TWU sent to the NHVR. That's an interesting little letter. Let's get on with it. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. G'day, Andy here again with more fresh music from one of the hottest new Aussie acts in the country. This week's guest grew up in North Queensland, travelling around the country in her dad's Western Star road train, hauling freight from Townsville to Perth and all points in between. She has a deep connection to rural Australia and this self-described country bumpkin was raised to the powerful country rock offered by the likes of Garth Brooks, Alan Jackson and the Dixie Chicks, blaring loud and proud from the stereo in the dad's truck. Her talents were recognised in Tamworth where she graduated from the CMAA Academy and she's achieved success in a number of talent and songwriting showcases, going on to open shows for icons like Troy Casadaly and the McClymonts. She's a heartfelt storyteller with a killer voice, witty personality, and she's been described as an unstoppable force as she continues to make her mark on the Aussie music scene. Her new single, Down Here, is an ode to the way she was raised, but also a bit of a dig about the authenticity of some contemporary Aussie country tunes. As she said about the song, I just wanted to show the world that I'm a genuine storyteller who doesn't have to pretend that I've got a deep-rooted connection to every nook and cranny in the good old US of A. Now if it's good enough for artists like Sher, Madonna and Sting to go by just the one name, then so it is for our special guest this week. Here she is to talk about her music and her life in general. It's the wonderful Josie. G'day Josie, thanks for dropping by for a chat on the road. No worries, thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Now, a childhood eating Cocoa Pops and travelling around the country in your dad's Western Star, Josie, that sounds like every kid's dream. 
oh yeah, I'm pretty lucky to have this childhood that I had. I tell a lot of people and they're like, oh, what? You just grew up driving around in the truck? I'm like, yep, sure did. <laughs> so I'm from Townsville. Yeah. I've had so many friends that haven't even left within an hour of Townsville and they have always been so blown away at the fact that I just casually in a week cruise over to Western Australia, roll back home, and then dad goes and does it again another million times. Yeah. So it does blow people's minds. Like they just don't quite grasp how vast Australia is and how much truckies move around. Yeah. And diet of choice, Cocoa Pops. Oh, yeah. That was the food I grew up on as a kid and still do to this day. Delicious. Yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. Cocoa Pops and Chico Roll. <laughs> you can't go wrong. Absolutely. Yeah, you're uh, apparently even at a very early age, you're pretty mean behind the wheel steering the thing too. Oh, yeah. I used to steer when we got into the station driveway and we could be off the road and Dad would be like, all right, up you get. Yeah. And we'd be like, shit, all right, here we go. So, yeah, oh, I got steering and I did a pretty good job, I think. Well, you didn't hit anything. I didn't hit anything, no. So I must have done a pretty good job. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, clearly your dad introduced you to some great music with the likes of Alan Jackson, Garth Brooks and the Dixie Chicks providing, I guess, almost a soundtrack to your younger years. Oh, yeah. Yep, they were absolutely the soundtrack. Mm. It was all we'd listen to, but the one song when we were in the truck that you wouldn't be having a truck trip unless this song came on at least four times yep. was Going Through Hell by Rodney Atkins. Okay. That one was just the absolute soundtrack. Yeah. So, yeah, every time it would have to happen at least four times. <laughs> yeah, now I was surprised because I was saying that the chicks, as they're called now, are coming out for a performance in Australia soon. I, I didn't realise they'd dropped the Dixie bit. Yeah, yeah, so they dropped the Dixie bit. I feel like I forget that every time I ever say anything about them, though, yeah. <laughs> because it's just the Dixie chicks to me. Another political correct thing or what? Probably. God knows, eh? Yeah. Now, you're still studying for your degree in music, specialising in songwriting. Yeah. At the same time, busy writing, recording, performing. How do you keep up the pace? Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's very, very busy. And I'm also teaching music as well during the week. Oh, right. Just in your spare time. Yeah, just in my spare time. Why not? Throw something else in there. Yeah. But I, I think I'm pretty lucky that everything I am doing, though, is music-based. So it's not like I have to go and do something I don't love in the mix of everything. At least everything kind of ties into each other. So yeah. I'm glad that I've set it up that way. <laughs> so it's not dreadful. <laughs> I can deal with it and it helps me get through. Yeah, it's all going pretty well. I've got eight weeks left of uni and then I'm graduated forever. Yay. So that's really exciting. Yeah. Feels like it's been a long time coming. But in saying that, it's been less than three years for a bachelor degree. So not that long. Yeah. But for me, it's like, oh, my gosh, when are we finishing? Yeah. So that's what I'm up to in my spare time. Yeah. Well, as I say, when you're doing something you love doing, it's not a job, is it? No, exactly. Yeah. And that's why I feel pretty lucky that everything I'm doing is music-based. Mm. Now, on a personal note, your growing career took a bit of a hit in 2020, not only dealing like the rest of us were with COVID, but you were also diagnosed with autoimmune Crohn's disease at the time, requiring ongoing hospitalisation for infusions and all of that. Yeah. Current in remission, I believe, so that's great news. Yes. Yes, really great news. It's a great time to be in remission for me, considering everything that's going on. Yeah. But yeah, 2020 certainly wasn't anyone's year, but it certainly took a bit of a hit to me. The very start of 2020, so it was literally as like the world was locking down and yeah. everyone couldn't go anywhere and I found myself in hospital getting the news that I had an autoimmune disease and I was like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Because you just have absolutely no idea until you start hearing about something and then all of a sudden you just hear it everywhere. Yeah. Because it was like 
hey, you got Crohn's disease. And I just felt so alone. It was like, oh, I've never heard of that. Who has that? That's that's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, it's like as soon as you hear about it, you just start seeing all these people everywhere and you're like, oh, I'm really not that alone. So there is a really great little support group of people with IBD mm. and we all band together and help each other. There's like Facebook groups and whenever people are in trouble, we all help out. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah. But for something that like I had absolutely no idea about and thought that I was so alone, mm. it turns out like it is pretty massive and it affects a lot of people, especially in Australia. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank goodness for the remission and we all wish you every success as you continue getting well. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Now, in addition to everything else you got going on, you're also an advocate raising awareness around the impact the disease has on people's day-to-day lives. You're a bit of a powerhouse, you are. Trying to be a powerhouse. I've got this song that Between You and Me, it may or may not be coming out later in the year. Right. It's one that I wrote with Travis Collins. Right. There's a lyric in it that says, there's always someone else in a tougher place than mine. So I think that's always been the thing that's helped me push through and just put my strong face on and know that there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel and there's always someone else in a tougher place than mine. Yeah. I'm very grateful for the position that I've always been in. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, let's focus on the reason we're here today, your new single, Down Here. It's a great song. I love the way you've written it to highlight the fact that we've got great stuff here in Australia and keeping it real and genuinely Aussie. Yes. Tell us how the song came into being. Yes. So the song, it actually was a pretty last-minute decision for the song. Mm. I only wrote it about two, three weeks before I went into the studio. Wow. Took it to a local mate named Ben Penner, and uh, we kind of fleshed it out a bit more. And then took it into the studio, played it to them, and they're like, yeah, this is the one that we're going to record. And I was like, yeah, sweet. Because, mm. you know, when you know, you know. And that song was the one. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, this is what we're going to record. So then we rewrote it again in the studio, and that's how it's become what it is. Right. It came about just, I was listening to country music, as you do. Yeah. And going, oh, everyone is singing about American stuff. Yeah. And I have never been to America. Not saying that I don't want to. I would absolutely love to go there. It's my dream to go to Nashville. Sure. Yeah, never been there, so I can't sing about Tennessee. And I've never been on the Mississippi, so I can't sing about that either. Yeah. And that's kind of what gave the song its drive and let me just bring in some comparisons. But then at the end of the day, you know, maybe we aren't all that different. Country life is all the same. Yeah. So that's the vibe that we got going. But yeah, it was a fun process writing this one. I think it's the most lengthy process I've had of writing a song. Right. And the most people I've written a song with too. I've never <laughs> written a song with four people. So Okay. But I think it turned out really well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Great storytelling. Thank you. Now, your plans for the rest of the year, getting out there with a live show? I have got a show coming up in Townsville in the hometown. Right. Opening for Brad Cox and Travis Collins on July 2nd. Oh, brilliant. Which is going to be so exciting. And it's my debut band show as well. So Fantastic. I'm pretty keen for that. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a little like original show coming up next Monday in Townsville as well. Just solo playing some originals, which I feel like will be pretty special. Mm. And hopefully some more stuff will be lined up for the rest of the year. So we'll see how we go. Good. Well, if our listeners want to find out more about you and your music and where they can check you out for live shows, things like that, where do they go online to find that? Yes. So you can find me Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all that stuff at Josie Official with two L's on the end. Someone stole the one with one L. Uh, so I got what I was given. Two L's on the end. There you go. Figure that one. 
Our guest this week is a delightful Josie. Josie, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for taking the time to come out and play on the road with us. Thank you so much for having me. Now it's time to have a listen to your brand new single. Would you please introduce it for us? Absolutely. This is Down Here by Josie, where the honky-tonk meets the outback and it's a pretty damn good time. Yeah. Hey. 
G'day, guys. How you going? As you know, the Trucking Life magazine is back and it's going to be available at the Casino Truck Show. But if you're not going to be there, the best way to get it is to get your yearly subscription and you'll get four magazines throughout the year, quarterly, delivered to your doorstep. Absolutely action-packed with articles, new riders, some of the old that you probably remember from years ago, old trucks, new trucks, big posters in the middle. There's got to be heaps. So jump over, get your yearly subscription for just 60 bucks, and that's four magazines throughout the year. Otherwise, we'll see you at the Casino Truck Show for our first read. Oh, yeah, I nearly forgot. Head over to truckinglife.net.au. Don't miss out. Right, you're you're on. I've got the, I even pressed the record right, button. Well, I'm not sure that everyone's been genuine in this bloody uh, road transport industry, bloody talking and carrying on. Right, eh? What's what's your what's your concern, Bob? Well, I, I wasn't get, I wasn't going too bad. Yeah. I, I have I have had a story about something that happened at Cunnamulla a long time ago that I've been dying to tell you about, as right. you know. Right. But uh, when I had a look at the latest uh, owner driver magazine and saw all the contributions coming in, and I, uh, it really got me a bit mystified as to uh, why Scott Morrison is responsible for 300 for the death of 300 truck drivers, and uh, why uh, there's all this sort of talk going on, and why the Labor Party and the Labor government's the only people who can actually fix the problem, because uh, I don't think the problem's got much to do with political parties or uh, anything other than probably the industry itself in many ways. Yeah. And... Uh, I think the solution lies within. Well, we've got a number of issues, though, haven't we, Bob? And those issues are driven by what governments do. I mean, we can only work within the laws as they are. And the Well, we can only work within the laws as they're agreed to by members of the industry, and this is my point. Well, when was the last time the you industry know? actually got to agree on any particular law, Bob? I can't remember a time when that ever happened. We have things, impo- we have things imposed upon us. Well, what about the TWU and all the large, the large end of town agreeing on a driver's wages award? Well, but that's not that's got nothing to do with the law as far as the trucks go. We, we no, want... it's got a lot. It's got a, it's got a lot to do with what's wrong with the industry, though. Oh, I, I, you won't get an argument out of me on that. Well, yeah, especially when you you're, you're you know you don't have a lot of time for kilometre rates, and and I I don't have an. an, an... I've got no time for kilometre rates. Zero time for yeah, kilometre well, rates. Well, I. It's a long time since I worked for any sort of rate other than what I paid myself, and I was the worst boss I ever had, and I only put up with myself for 44 years. Yeah. But that, that's all beside the point. What I'm trying to emphasise, uh, Mike, yep. the uh, the economics of the industry, whether we like it or not, are based around a number of things. And one of the things they're based around is, is the things I've been talking about, about whether people are stupid or desperate when they accept non-viable rates. Yes. But I think the other more serious issue is that we've got the large end of town and the TWU who are trying to be touchy-feely and, and, and say they're going to support all the things that are wrong with the industry and they're going to be part of the solution when I think they're totally part of the problem. The TWU are part of the problem? And, and, the, large companies in, and the large companies in concert. Why, why is that, Bob? Well, if you drive a single trailer yep. under the award, We'll go in even numbers, but I think the award for towing a single trailer right now is about 47 cents a kilometre. Right. So we'll go to 50. Right. Right. Now, if you're working for the same company and they throw another A trailer on you, that's one and a half loads you're towing, 
yeah. you get a whole three or four cents you get a whole three or four cents a kilometer extra if you're lucky yeah agree well if you're gonna if you're gonna tow an extra half a load why aren't you getting 25 cents half of the 50. <laughs> you're waiting for an argument and, and, you're waiting for an argument out of me here are you no, I'm not waiting for an argumentary at all. I'm just trying to tell the truth how I see it. Yep. And and I and I think that what's going on here is that TWU, you know, and we all remember the stories about when all Trans TNT had their little bar right up in the top in the corporate the top of the corporate office at the Twin Towers at Redfern, and that you know the first people to get a key were the union heavies after the uh, executive members of All Trans TNT, and uh, you know they, they there was no corruption. They were just being, you know. They, they, TNT all chance were just eternally grateful for all the help they got from the union, <laughs> and, and you know, and that's that's how life that's how life works. But anyway, um, I was in Cunnamulla many years ago, right? Eh? And a, a, a driver sat down beside you know, and we talk about healthy heads and sheds and all that sort of thing. Well, that's nothing new either. Yeah. But I've, I'm lucky. I've uh, I haven't owned many sheds and. The head's never been real, real in real bad shape, thank goodness, unless you talk to a few people who think otherwise. Uh, but anyway, uh, this fellow, you know, good, good bloke. I, I don't know where he is these days, but I, I knew him. And uh, how you going? I called him Billy because I can't remember his real name anyway. Right, eh? How you going, Billy? Oh, he said, up to shit, Bob. I said, why is that, mate? Oh, he said, I can't keep this up. I said, what can't you keep up? He said, oh, this bloody... 37 cents to bloody drive a road train from a kilometre from here to bloody Adelaide near to Perth. I said, 37 cents? He said, yeah. I said, how much do you get to tow a single? He said, 34. I said, well, how come you bloody didn't leave the dolly in the back trailer behind? He said, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, if you're getting 34 cents to tow one trailer, you should be getting 68 to tow two. Oh, he said, they'd never do that. And I walked away and I thought, well, poor bugger. Like, not only will they never do that, I'm pretty sure he's never going to tell them no. Yeah. And that's probably what should have happened. Well, that's the way it started. I mean, we... Well, you know, the big the big, the big, big end of town's getting, you know, and even the small end of town, if you've got road trains and B-doubles and B-quads and, uh, you know, B-triples like I had and all that sort of stuff, they're laughing all the way to the bank when they're getting another half a load or another two loads or another load and a half. For another three, four, or six cents a kilometre, like for goodness' sake. Yeah, you won't get an argument out of me, mate. If you get a couple of cents a kilometre for for your for your trip to Melbourne from Sydney, then it's like you're getting paid 40, 40 bucks or something for the for for doing all that extra work and, and uh, all that extra responsibility. So I've been saying this for years, Bob. Yeah, well, one company was only paying the road train rate for when they were hooked up to road train, and the single rate for when they're doing their dog runs. Well, yeah. Everyone thought that, everyone thought they're on clover when the company got really generous and said, "Oh no, we'll pay the road train rate for the whole whole show now." Yeah. Uh, but that that was when they had nine trucks parked up and no drivers for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think people are being very genuine here, Mike. Well, I don't think that there's been genuine uh, genuine behaviour in the trucking industry for a long time, mate. We're all more than happy to rip each other yeah. off and and undercut each other and duck shove each other and do all those things. It's a dog it's a dog eat dog industry has been for as long as I've been involved in it. It starts from the top down, mate, and that's what I've been saying for a long time and now my top down idea 
as far as costs and everything goes, it's only going to work really well if drivers start getting paid right, and then that puts the costs where they should be. Well, they talk about the driver shortage, mate. I don't think there is a driver shortage. I think there's a respect shortage. I think there's a wage I shortage. You know, I think yeah, that... well, that's what I'm trying to point out. That's what I'm trying to point out. It all starts with the wages and the little sweetheart, you know, the unions and the and the large companies, all the people with the sway in the industry, they sign off on the awards yeah, in conjunction well, with the Fair Work Australia. And... But don't you think it actually starts with the rates that they charge, Bob, and what they get paid to do the work? Because if they get paid to do the work, then obviously there's more money to train people, there's more money to pay the drivers a bit better, there's more money for for better trucks, there's more money oh, for all of that. It yeah, all comes back to the rates. You can't be paying the driver an extra 10 cents a K if that's going to drop your buddy yearly bonus back by 15 grand. Oh, sorry. Well, mate, I've got no idea what... Who gets paid a, a $15,000 yearly bonus, mate? I've never seen one of those yeah, checks, ever. You need to have a look at a few corporate reports, mate, and see what some of the board members do with their money. No, oh, mate, I don't, I don't need to look at the reports. I know what happens. It... Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's a disgrace, no, I, I really. Think, you know, like, well, it is, and and that's where I think the problem lies. I think we've got to start at the beginning. I think we've got to start from the top down, and the first thing we can do is probably pay drivers. You know, if drivers getting the right pay, and the companies are charging the right money to pay the drivers the right pay. Um, the subbies have got every right to stand on their ground and say no, and tell them to stick their bodgy rates where they uh, where, where they, they belong. Where they belong. Well. All I know, Bob, is that people that are paying their drivers the right money and giving them decent gear to work with aren't looking for drivers. <laughs> it's as simple know, as that. Mate, <laughs> yeah, but my question is, are they paying them the right money? Like, is, is, is it fair to be pulling a road train for six or seven six or seven cents a kilometre extra? Well, you know? this is where it's, it comes back to rate. the hourly rate, though, Bob. Well, the hourly rate's the same deal. If yeah. you're going to get $40 an hour to pull a single... You need $80 an hour to pull a road train. Well, I don't give a damn how you work. I, I don't quite agree with that. But, I mean, if you're if you're getting paid, say, $34 or whatever it is to, to tow a single and you're getting $38 an hour to tow a B-double, which I know that you're probably not, and, and maybe... The, the problem with it is, though, the, the award covers trucks up to the weight of 90 tonnes. So after you've taken... A, after you've gone, your pay's gone up from a... From a single up to the next level, it covers everything up to ninety tons, and that that's basically a, a two trailer road train, a, a type one road train. Exactly. So blokes towing A doubles, type one road trains, B doubles, and all that sort of stuff should be getting paid whatever it is at the hourly rate. Let's just for the hell of it say that it's yeah. that it's forty bucks an hour, just for the hell of it. I'm not sure that that's the case. In fact, I'm pretty sure that it's not. But I'm pretty sure it's not also. Yeah. So. If you're getting paid a little bit more, but you're getting paid at every hour and then you're getting paid the penalty rates as well, when you go over the uh, 7.6 hours or whatever it is in the day, then you go up to your time and a half and then you do another few hours and you go up to double time after that, at least then you're getting paid for the for the amount of time that you're actually at work. So whether you're loading, unloading, yeah, well, that, driving, that, that, whatever, that's much fairer. And as far as I'm concerned, I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, I'll say it again just for clarity. As far as I'm concerned, kilometre rates trip money for employed drivers is wage theft. That's my that's yeah, my well, take on it. Is, mate, yeah, and my point is that is the award, and who signed off on it? We know who signed off on it. Well, and that's where the trouble starts. And the other thing is talking about your hourly rate with your 
you're spot on when you talk about the uh, time and a half and all that. I was just talking about a flat rate per hour yeah. without sort of. I was just keeping it simple, stupid. Because well, a flat rate, a flat rate per hour is still wage theft in my view, because well, you're, you're not yeah, getting. No, that's fair enough. But I was just working my sums out on a flat rate per hour, mate. I wasn't saying it should happen that but way. But there are people out there that do it that way. So they'll. they'll... Mate, there's people out there. There's people out there paying drivers a salary. Yeah, I know. And 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 paying paying them on their ABN number. Yes, that's. Uh... Sham contracting, they, they call, call that. Drivers. Yeah, sham, sham contracting. contracting. It's illegal. And it, and it's all over the place. It's illegal. You know? And then when you hear, when 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 you when you hear about all these load boards and digital uh, load agents and the you know the the, the new style uh, tin shed and telephone loading agents, freight forwarders getting going. Yeah. Um, you know, like it's it's it, it's a two way street. We're, we're responsible for our own demise in many ways. Oh, well, like but, you say. It's the same, the same with drivers. Drivers working on a salary to drive big shiny ships. Like the drivers are obviously accepting that they're told when they front up for a job, that's how they'll be paid, and they say, "Oh, yeah, right, boss, yeah, I'll do that." Yeah. Well, uh, all they're doing is undermining the whole show, them and their boss together. And then you get likes of Scots and anyone else who goes broke. Yep. Because they're working too cheap, or they couldn't manage their affairs properly, and else, and all they do is set the industry back further too. Like yep. we we've had. I've had issue this year with with two two uh, uh, companies who undercut rates on work we had yep. so badly that they took them down to below eighteen to eighteen dollars a ton below the subby rate on that particular line. Yeah, right. But the customers thought they were wonderful. Of course they did. Possibly still do. But all the the reality of it is, mate, is the customers want their freight moved as cheaply as possible. They don't care who does it. As long as it gets there in yeah. one piece in the time frame they want, and when that happens, right. they're that's... happy. But you know that you, doesn't. You know who they? Do you know who they call as soon as that cheap carrier goes broke or falls over or gets arrested or whatever happens to them? They call you. They call us. Yeah, and then you know what you do but with that, it. That... You do you do with it what I did yeah, to it when one of my customers did it to me. You put the bloody rate up. Yeah, well, I, I I always tell the customers, you please yourself what you do, but the rates only ever go up, not down. That's right. But, but even, even, even in that respect, how far you can get them up is limited by all this other garbage that's going on. And we've got all these people who think, think everything in the garden is rosy. And, and you know, like, I, I, I'm proud to be part of the industry, and I, I, I can't look at the, on the industry with jaundiced eyes and with the negative vibes that came out of some of the columns I re- read in owner driver this uh, this last week, uh, you know, um, I, I thought, man, oh man, like these people are part of the problem and they're pretending they want to be part of the solution. Like it's not very gen- not very genuine, Mike. And uh, uh, you know, I know I'm a cranky old prick who's retired now, but I still love the. <laughs> I, I still love the. I still love the industry, and yeah. I still want to be part of it. But I wish a few people would actually grow up and start being honest with themselves. Well, we are sick of the idiots, Bob. So you say. Yes, I, I've been saying that for a couple of weeks now. Yeah. Well, you said it back in uh, 1986, no, mate. You're sick of the idiots. Well, there's people out there who think I was an idiot, idiot for saying it. So yeah, uh, yeah. we better try and work out who's genuine and who's not, Mike. Yeah. Well, that's what it comes back down to, doesn't it? Yeah. Then anyway, I'd like to hear what Andrew Salter likes to think, would like to think about all this because uh, <laughs> I value Andrew's opinion. Not sure I want to start him on it, mate. <laughs> well, I'd love, I'd love to hear the end result. I really would. So would I. 
I'm nowhere near a campfire in uh, in South Australia or uh, the middle of Queensland, so yeah. uh, I'll have to. Uh, we'll have to wait. I'll have to hope. Have to wait on have, that one. Have to wait. We will, mate. Yeah. But anyway, I just uh, I just think there's a lot more needs to happen before we start worrying about who's got a monopoly on fixing the problem. I think a few people ought to realise that they're part of the problem first. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll, and, uh, we'll put it out there, Bob. See what the listening. <laughs> well, I hope that uh, uh, you know. I mean, I, I'm I'm smiling, but I'm only smiling at myself because I did get all worked up over it, Mike. Well, it's uh, it's the uh, irony of it, mate. That's the thing, isn't it? They they've, they've, they've obviously got no irony meter. These people, <laughs> they just they can't see no, it. No. Yeah, right. well, you know, there's a lot of people out there that can't see the wood for the trees, and I think they're right up on the top of the pile. Mm. Right, eh? Well, Bob McMillan, thanks for sharing your point of view, mate. We'll catch up with you later on, I suppose. Okay, yeah, well, no, no doubt about that, mate. We've got a few things coming up we're going to be at. Yep, that's it. Right, eh? See ya. Thanks, Mike. Have you ever come up behind a caravan wearing a big green sticker that says, I'm truck friendly? It's simply telling you that the driver you're following is a part of a growing safety-minded community of caravanners who actually want to help other road users, have a good understanding of safe towing practices and have a UHF radio switched on and ready to communicate. If you too want to be a part of the solution and not the problem, find out more about the great truck-friendly caravan road safety program by visiting their Facebook page or website at www.truckfriendly.com.au. Here on the road, it's time for the news. Hey Mike, you found some interesting stats this week about our podcast, mate. I did find some interesting stats this week about the podcast, yes, I did. Yeah. Well, let's share them. Well, we're in the top 5% worldwide, mate, of over 3.1 million podcasts. We're in the top 5%. I'm pretty happy with that. Not bad for a couple of old buggers, is it? Mate, I would be more than happy with that. In fact, I am more than happy with that. That's brilliant. Yeah, top 5%. Uh, yeah. Everyone's ha- oh, I was excited. I just looked at it and read it in disbelief. But anyway, there you go. Oh, I can believe it. That's excellent stuff. So, news we're not talking about this week, mate. What have we got? News we're not talking about this week. Wiring defects have led to the recall okay. of a number of international model trucks. We're going to talk about that. UD Prime Mover has brought a specialty eye care truck to remote Queensland, we should talk about it, but we're not really going to have time. Mm-hmm. Just uh, have a bit of a look around there. You'll find that in the news outlets if, you, if you're not even careful. It's all over the place. Renault have updated their heavy-duty truck cabins. Um, I suppose that's an issue if you're thinking about a Renault. Uh, the Isuzu Quan has sort of had a bit of an order put in for those because uh, Woolies have ordered mm-hmm. a big lot of photon electric trucks, so they're going to get into that. But the best bit of news we're not talking about, Scania, with four tonnes of steel in their cabins, right, four tonnes of steel in each truck, four tonnes of steel, have decided they're going to start using low-carbon steel for its trucks from 2025. We're not going to talk about that either because virtue signaling stuff I'm not interested in. Yeah. Let's get on with the stuff we're going to talk about. Well, we should, mate. I'm just wondering with those Renault trucks, are they going to put like a Formula One interior in them or something? Keep it minimal. <laughs> The only thing that it makes difference. I actually had a Renault truck one point in time, you know. Did you? It was a Mac Magnum, mate. They were uh, they were a Renault built and 
built overseas and brought to Australia and rebadged as Max. Is that right? I did not know that. They were, yeah, hmm? yeah, yeah, they were. They were <laughs> it was terrible. Worst truck I ever owned. We won't go into that either. No, fair enough. Well, before we start, mate, I've got, I've got a little story to share with you. That's a surprise, isn't uh, it? Okay, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm gobsmacked. Coming in intrigued. Well, just for the past couple of years, I've been driving my granddaughter to her horse riding lessons each Saturday morning. Right. It's kind of like our little bit of quality time together. It's nice. It really is. It is. Anyway, yeah. last week when we got to the kids' place, my shoulder was giving me grief and my wife offered to step in and do the honours on my behalf and take her to horse riding. Oh, no. Checked with the granddaughter. She said, yeah, that's fine. No problems with that. So off they went. Yeah. When they got back a few hours later, I asked my granddaughter how it had gone going with Nana instead of me. And she said, well, it was so much better with her than it was going with you, Granddad, because all the way there, we didn't see one asshole, blind, brain-dead bastard, dipshit or son of a bitch anywhere. Ah, <laughs> uh, yep, 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 yep. From the mouths of babes. <laughs> From the mouths of babes. Why am I not amazed? <laughs> Why am I not amazed? All right, mate, rolling in from the Some People Never Learn files. Yep. Comes the news this week that a Brisbane-based truckie was caught committing similar offences twice in three days and fined 12 grand. Yeah, twice in three days. Getting caught by the same guys as well. You've got to, you've got to you know, give him credit for commitment to what he's doing, don't you? It was like a reunion. Yeah. It is like a reunion. Walgut Highway Patrol intercepted the heavy vehicle on the Camilleroy Highway in Walgut. And uh, the police took to Facebook and they basically exposed what this bloke done. Convicted and fined $12,000 in the Walgut local court. According to uh, the Highway Patrol, they intercepted him a couple of times. The Brisbane truck he was spoken to the first time and directed to open his trailers and obviously was given the blister. Hmm. Uh, drive, drive permit heavy vehicle to not comply with loading requirements and Heavy vehicle not completing with loading requirements twice and use a permit uh, vehicle based on a road that was unsafe, uh, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. 12 grand, that's a big blister, isn't it? You'd think yep, he'd learn the first time. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. it just goes to show that some people just cannot be told. And, uh, you know, load restraint is an important thing. Uh, I did enjoy seeing the picture there with, you know, two patrol vehicles pulled up behind him on the side of the road. I mean... Uh, drug dealers get less attention, but anyway, let's uh, let's move on, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a reunion, mate, so they had to have it a It was a bit of a reunion, yeah. They'd call a few boys around, crack a can, have a bit of a laugh about it. Yeah. He won't be laughing when he's paying the fine, though. That's huge, 12 grand. Whoa. It is, it is. There you go. Mate, according to Nat wrote, a load of small but quite significant went bunched together. Cost rises rolling out this Saturday is going to inflict even more pain on an already suffering trucking sector. Old mate uh, Nat Road CEO Warren Clark stating the obvious yet again. Mm-hmm. Costs are going up, everybody. Uh, you have to have some flexibility in your business arrangements to uh, you know, discuss these important changes with your customers and all that sort of thing. Here's the thing. The customers don't care about what happens. Hmm. And to be honest with you, we shouldn't care what happens either. We should put our rates up and go for cost recovery like Hmm. every other business. Why do we need to sharpen the pencil and cut corners? What you do, Warren, here's a little bit of a lesson in business management for Warren and everyone else, all the other idiots that can't work it out for themselves. You've got to go for cost recovery. If you don't, you might as well just park your truck in the driveway Lay on the couch, drink beer, and go broke quickly. Yeah. Why just draw it out? 
you know, mm. like mm. water torture. Mm. You've got to go for cost recovery. And this is the one thing that people just do not seem to grasp. They don't, you know, they, they sort of try and absorb these costs and, you know, with the fear of losing their freight. Well, I'm here to tell you, if you've lost your job because you're not making enough money out of it, find another job. Find yeah. something else to do. There's plenty of freight out there. Mm. There absolutely is plenty of freight out there. People just don't feel as though they're brave enough. You know, they get comfortable. They know what they know. They don't want to. They don't want to go look at it. What happens is they they get this slow burn. Happens. The expenses keep going up, and they get to a point where they've got to turn the wheels to make just enough to make the payments. And when you're doing that, you're doing it wrong. That's my opinion, and I'd invite anyone to come on the show and tell me otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, the problem there being, of course, if rates go up, that's the first finger that will get pointed at the rotten transport companies, you know, charging too much. That's why our groceries are too expensive now. Well, you know, you, <laughs> the thing of it is it costs what it costs. Mm. The price the price of fuel, we've got no control over the price of fuel. We've got no control over the price of our insurance premiums. Work cover stick their rates up all the time. The, the, the CPI, everything seems to go up with the CPI except rates. Yep. You know, it's ridiculous. But that's the thing, Joe Public is not really aware of the fact that truckies have been wearing it for so long. Yeah, well, that's, that's it. I mm. mean, and then they go ahead and applaud stupid things like returning of the excise uh, thing that they did. We ended up five cents a litre worse off. Mm. Not a word. Yep. Not a word about it from anyone. Yeah, that Just went well. Just absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Thanks, Warren. You're right again. State the obvious. <laughs> Mike, a new survey featuring a food and drink area, a shop, dedicated truckies lounge along with other amenities is planned to be built on the Capricorn Highway at Gracemere in Queensland to replace the existing site with plans currently being reviewed by the Rockhampton Regional Council. Yep, it's it's very, very nice. You can drive in, you can park half a dozen trucks out the back if you're lucky mm. and it'll be full of caravans on holidays and all that sort of stuff. Yep, awesome. Mm. Uh, look, the existing layout is there. You can just jump on and have a look. Oh, this one's on bigrigs.com.au where I got the picture from mm. so I could have a bit of a look at what's going on. The plan includes a service station with uh, six standard refuelling points, three truck refuelling points and four truck parking spaces yep. with sufficient area to accommodate access to B-doubles and other larger vehicles. Well, you know what the other larger vehicles are? They're going to clog that bastard up every Easter and Christmas and every other long weekend. It'll be frigging caravans. Yeah. And, you know, once again, the truckies will miss out. But, you know, they are talking about having a a, a truckies lounge there. Well, that's okay. They probably only want to put one person in there to service it because there'll only be one truckie in there. Hmm. Ridiculous. Am I too cynical? <laughs> you keep I, asking me that, mate. And I, I don't know. Jury's still out for me on that one, but I think you might be a bit. Oh, look. I look at the plan, it's all lovely, you know, and everything's all nice. And then you go and look at how much space they've devoted for, for trucks. Mm. And, you know, as usual, next to nothing. Yeah. It uh, it does my does my head in. The only thing that you can look at there that maybe makes a little bit of sense is the layout for the truck parking is actually behind the service station part where the cars and that go in. But mm. the blokes with caravans won't ever go in there. Mm. They'll see. They'll see that it's just a big U-turn there, and they'll just go straight around the back. That's exactly yep. what they'll do. Yep. And of course, then you'll get some muppet. You look at the inside of it. They're coming back out onto the main highway. It's got a dedicated exit and entry area. Mm-hmm. So some muppet will drive his caravan around the outside and park it on the corner. And you're going to have to wait there with your B double because you won't be able to get through. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's got it written all over it. Yeah. 
Anyone with half a brain can look at that design and say, oh, yeah, that's fun. Everyone's going to really enjoy that. That'll be a place I wouldn't bother going to in a truck, that layout. Anyway, that's just me. Yes. Mike, and finally, a badly loaded small truck carrying a cargo of steel tubing has caused significant damage to another truck in Victoria when its load shifted sideways out the rear, seriously damaging the prime mover, according to the NHVR safety and compliance officers who are investigating the incident. Yeah, the uh, in, in a bit of modern-day jousting, mm, <laughs> this, little truck, it is. <laughs> this little truck has sort of had the lance sticking out the side and he's reefed this prime mover fair and fair in the back. Oh, man, I tell you what, uh, a little bit of a load compliance issue there. I wonder if he's going to get fined 12 grand, that fella. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe well, not. The little bloke on the little horse won, this one. The little bloke on the little horse won. He stuck that big bit of metal into the back of the prime mover and made a bit of a hell of a mess there. Unluckily caught on the wing mount, you know, wing mirror mounted uh, sort of dash cam thing there, so that's oh, a little bit okay. unlucky for him. Yeah. Uh, the uh, bit of tube hit the hit the side and the rear of the prime mover, seriously damaged it. They're saying it was a good job it wasn't a pedestrian or a cyclist or something. Yeah, true. Uh, obviously, obviously it was. Look, this bloke's been driving down the road. He hasn't lashed this thing down properly, so there's an unsecured load for you, buddy. And, uh, you know, obviously done a little bit of damage here. I wonder if he actually stopped. May not have even known. Well, oh no, he would have known. Not you <laughs> would have made a would have made a hell of a racket, I reckon. Yeah, uh, yeah. But anyway, I reckon if there was a bloke asleep in that cab, there he'd have got a horrible surprise. That's for sure. I reckon. Yeah. Oh dear. Anyway, it just goes to show: secure your load, big or small, doesn't matter. Do what you've got to do. Uh, looks like a like a council truck or a tradie truck or something to me. Anyway, mm. you never know. That's the way of it. It's hard to believe, really. You wouldn't think steel tubing would roll around much, would you? Well, no. No, why would it? You know, it's... No, no, steel tubing doesn't roll around at all. Beep, 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 beep. Breaking news for you, buddy. Yes. The NHVR have had a bit of a letter sent to them by our friend Michael Kane. Okay. And I'm going to have a look at it after the news in detail because I want to have a bit of a chat about it. But Michael Kane has pointed out the the disparity in some of the enforcement that's going on at the moment. The National Heavy Vehicle Regulator uh, have been taken to task by the TWU with respect to their latest blitz on long-haul drivers and calling for more investigations up the supply chain. In other words, what Mike was calling for is the chain of responsibility to actually be enforced. I'm trying not to laugh, righto? Yeah. Trying not to laugh. We're going to have a long look at it. I've got a draft of... uh, Michael's uh, letter that he actually sent. So we'll we'll have a look at that after the news. Beep, 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 beep. More breaking news for Wait, you, mate. There's more. Yeah. There's more. Uh, the training for the New South Wales Blues uh, last time out was suspended uh, because they found a white substance on the playing field. Terrible, really. So the head coach immediately suspended training and called the police and the federal investigators to come and have a bit of a look at what was going on. After a bit of analysis, right, this white substance, unknown to the players previously, was determined to be the tri-line. Hadn't seen it before. So training was resumed after the special agents decided that the team was entirely unlikely to encounter this substance at any time in the near future. Oh, that's harsh. (laughs) That's harsh. 
Oh, you sorry, mate. I couldn't help that. It's just yeah. Well, being a Queenslander, I suppose I should be quite happy about that. But <laughs> I'm a Queenslander in every way, except for the state of origin. Unfortunately, so I'm I'm still hurting a little. Sorry, mate. <laughs> there you go. All right, mate. Well, thought for the week. Thank you. Why do single women take advice on marriage from other single women? It's kind of like Ray Charles giving Stevie Wonder driving directions. <laughs> oh, I'm not touching that. That's true. Uh, it's Funny, and true. Uh, Funny and true. Funny and true. Oh, mate, it's good to have you back on the radio with us. And look, I uh, just look forward to it every week. I'm in tears already. That's good fun. Good fun. It's been fun. Thanks, mate. Well, you have a good one. You too, buddy. We'll catch you later. See ya. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcasts every week. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime, take care of you. Well, as I said during the news, the TWU has written a letter to the NHVR with respect to all these logbook blitzes and things like that that are going on. Now, I note that owner-driver has pretty much published the letter Michael Caine sent out in its entirety. Uh, I know this because I've actually got a copy of the original letter. One thing they have done, though, they can't cut and paste very well. There are a couple of little uh, spelling mistakes in there, one which uh, changes the context a little bit where they note that the Transport Workers Union, as a registered organisation with statutory rights and responsibilities in relation to enforcement of within the road transport industry, and they request that you provide a list of the following, which I'll go into later, the uh, owner-driver has changed the as to is. So, well done with that, Bushy. You've done a great job. So I'm just going to refer to the original which uh, TWU sent to me and we'll go from there. But you know, have a look at owner-driver and you'll get the gist of, of what they're saying. So the Transport Workers Union represents workers across the road transport industry. We know that. There are a lot of organisations that do that representation-wise. The uh, NRFA does a few of the same things, obviously with a slightly different focus. We work in Australia's deadliest industry. There's no getting around that. We lose more of our colleagues to workplace injuries and deaths every year than any other industry. In fact, if any other industry was suffering in the same way we are every year, there'd be a bloody uh, coronial inquest into the whole matter. I mean, how would it be if uh, uh, you know, 80, 100 teachers lost their lives in the classroom every year? Having said that, let me say this. We're not the same. We have different risks and things like that. But too long we have been just a number and our colleagues losing their lives in the course of our daily work has become the cost of doing business. And to me, that's nowhere near good enough. Now, we hear all the flowery statements from the likes of Carol Brown, etc. And look, I like Carol a lot. She's done, a, done some great work since she's been in office. But this Vision Zero stuff is just a furphy. We will never, ever, while there are human beings driving these trucks, have zero accidents on the road. It's not only the trucks, it's the cars. The trucks aren't responsible for the majority of truck-involved accidents. And note I said truck-involved. Just because there's a truck involved doesn't mean it's the truck's fault. And there are plenty of examples of that 
We've had a few horrific examples in the last several weeks where it is the truck's fault, and that is always going to happen. It's just a part of our frailty as humans that that sort of thing is going to happen. So let's get back to having a look at this sort of thing. TWU acknowledges the responsibility of truck drivers to abide by the law, and they also know that drivers generally do not choose to work the long hours of their own free will. Rather, the drivers often report that they feel pressured to do so, to stay in business, to keep their job, to prevent their employer from losing transport contracts. These pressures begin with the owners and the freight on the top of the supply chain, those who set the terms and the transport contracts. It's always been this way. And if you've actually driven a truck for a living, as I have for quite some time, and as many of you listening have, you will all nod and know that it's true. Oftentimes, when the pressure gets put on, it's not you putting it on yourself. It's someone saying to you, oh, mate, that needs to be there tomorrow morning. You know, Then you work your ass off all night and you arrive in the morning. And say, yeah, mate, just sit over there. We'll unload it when we get to you. This sort of thing, this bad management practices, keeping guys waiting for loading and unloading, it's been going on for years and it won't change. It won't change until we start getting paid demurrage. That's what's got to happen. Some guys get it, some guys don't. But while the freight forwarders don't take any responsibility for the amount of time they keep guys sitting on the side of the road waiting to get unloaded, then there are always going to be these fatigue issues. Now, we're having these blitzes on the logbooks. Some people have said that it's the thin edge of the wedge trying to get guys onto the electronic work diaries and things like that. And it's hard to dispute that. It really is because they're making the fines now absolutely ridiculous. You've gone from a several hundred dollar fine for an incorrect entry into a logbook to a false and misleading entry, which is now a criminal offence, and it fines 12000 bucks. So, I mean, if that's not encouragement to go the electronic work diary way, I don't know what is. It's very chilling. Makes guys sort of think about what they're doing. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't guys out there that don't, you know, colour outside the lines. And, you know, I know in my ancient past... I certainly did colour outside the lines occasionally when it financially benefited me to do so. But I was an owner-driver. It was my truck. I had skin in the game. That's different to uh, company drivers being forced to do those things. Now, logbooks, as much as people don't like to think so, they're as much a defence for the driver against the unscrupulous freight forward or the unscrupulous employer as they are anything. Unfortunately, we get the misinterpreted picture that uh, it's a it's a way to stop you working it's a way to encourage you to you know have your break well i suppose it is but the reality of it is there's got to be a line in the sand somewhere and if you're on basic fatigue management then you get 17 hours a day to do your 14 hours work right now what other uh, area of industry has to work 14 hours to make a decent weekly salary and what happens if you do a little bit of overtime? You get paid for it. What happens if a truckie does a little bit of overtime? He gets fined for it. It's bloody ridiculous and it's not fair. Now, I have said before, and I will say it again for clarity right now, I don't believe that owner-drivers should have to have a logbook because they have skin in the game. If it goes sideways, there are punishments for that. They should be entitled to make as much money out of their uh, investment as anyone else. Now, that's a sort of a rock-in-the-boat statement. You know, people say, oh, gee, you can't say that. Why would you say that? Well, I'm not encouraging anyone to drive tired. I'm really not. And I think that there should be a, a lot more flexibility in the logbook. 
We should have 14 hours to do the, the job in a day. That's more than enough. But we shouldn't have prescriptive rest break periods, right? In your 14 hours, you should have an hour's break time. Takes you out to a 15-hour workday, which is what it is if you're on BFM. But it shouldn't be prescribed. If I feel like having a half an hour break, two hours in, then I should be able to have it. And then if I feel great when I've done five hours, I should be able to keep going. Six hours, I should be able to keep going. Seven hours, if I feel great, I should be able to keep going. We're all different. And that's the thing. That is the key. We are all different. The logbook doesn't allow for that. Anyway, let's move on in this letter. That's 2021 TWU survey of 1,100 road transport workers found that one in five had been pressured to falsify logbooks. One in four had been pressured by employers to drive past legal hours and skip rest breaks. 42% of owner-drivers said they didn't raise safety concerns through fear of losing pay. I would suspect that owner-drivers didn't raise any safety concerns through fear of risk of losing the work. That would be more likely what it is. This evidence points to an industry that's under immense pressure from the top of the supply chain. We've known about this for a long, long, long time. My good mate Bob McMillan will tell you, we need transparency from the top down. We need people to say what they expect the jobs to take, what they are going to pay for it, and there should be some sort of protection. We don't know whether people are taking this work because they are desperate or because they're stupid. It's definitely one or the other. Are they that desperate that they need to do the work because of the exorbitant you know, increases in costs and things like that? They need to actually get this money in to pay the bills. Are they desperate, so therefore they'll take anything in an effort to try and get that bottom line right? Or are they stupid? Do they not know how much it costs to run a truck? Now, Warren Clark's said earlier this week that... Uh, you know, we can expect another hit with our expenses, and we absolutely can. We get hit all the time. And as I've said about what Warren's got to say, even a broken clock is right twice a day. What we've got to do is we've got to go after cost recovery. That's what we've got to do. That's the only way to fix this sort of thing. It takes a lot of pressure. If we've got cost recovery, it takes a lot of pressure off the, this top-down pressure to get drivers to do the wrong thing. So... The TWU go on to say, in order to make meaningful change and save lives on our roads, the root causes of ongoing transport industry crisis must be addressed. Not only the symptoms, fatigue, overloading, speeding, the use of artificial stimulants to stay awake, all of these are symptoms of an unchecked supply chain and contractual pressure. Accordingly, what is required is not a driver compliance blitz, but a thorough effort to identify and rectify the supply chain contract pressures that result in drivers being placed in mortal danger and working unsafely, sorry, of working unsafely, to quote the TWU. The role of the Transport Workers Union of Australia is a registered organisation with statutory rights and responsibility in relation to enforcement within the road transport industry. Uh, they request that, they pro that the NHVR provide the following. One, the plan, including the commencement date relating to the public launch of supply chain investigations or blitzes in order to publicise and target the root cause of industry pressure that promote poor on-road decision-making. Two, information setting out the nature and extent of the supply chain investigations being conducted in relation to the driver found to have worked 19.5 hours in a 24-hour period and in relation to the considerable number of penalty notices that are issued in relation to fatigue. And thirdly, 
information setting out the scope of the recently announced New South Wales driver blitz, including what constitutes a fatigue-related offence. For example, are clerical uh, errors in work diaries, such as misspelling or failing to complete all contact information, including in this category? Michael Caine goes on to say he looks forward to the NHVR's response. And look, so do I. There are so many things in this letter that Michael sent to the NHVR that I agree with. Mate, we could be standing side by side, charging at Mr Petrosito like a pair of bloody front rails from Queensland to sort these guys out. Seriously, I've met Sal. I think Sal's a good guy. I really do. And I've met a, a, a few of the people that are in the upper echelons of the NHVR. They are working with a flawed system. The NTC has given the NHVR a pain in the ass to deal with. The NHVR don't make the laws. Having said that, there is absolutely nothing wrong with what Michael Caine said in asking the NHVR to be a little bit more clear about what's going on and to actually follow the chain of responsibility, which I know in some respects they are, but to be a damn sight more transparent about it. Name names. Shame the shamed. Let truck drivers know that they are not the only ones that are being persecuted. Well, I should say prosecuted, not persecuted. But we feel persecuted. We're the lowest hanging fruit. We are the ones that are most easy to nail. We really are. Have a think about it. We're the ones that are out there every day coming into contact with these officers from the enforcement agencies. We're the ones that get the tickets directed at us. We're the ones that are getting the huge, unreasonable fines. Where in the world, sane to say, a $12,000 fine is just acceptable? 19 and a half hours, look, I know it's against the law, but there's more than one occasion I can tell you in my previous career where I worked more than 19 and a half hours, right? We've all done it. Why should a truck driver lose such a huge slice of his pay? It's a penalty that goes on and on. It's the penalty that goes on to the, his bills at home. Can't pay the mortgage, can't pay the grocery bill, can't send the kids on the school holiday, can't put the shoes on their feet. It destroys marriages and it drives people away from coming into this industry to work. It absolutely does. And I would invite anyone to come and tell me I'm wrong. That's all I've got to say about that one. Let's go on with the show. Keep it safe out there and don't forget to fill out your logbook. Hi there, this is Bob McMillan. Um, I want to talk about one word this week. That word is respect, and I'm seeing very little of it anywhere. We, sh- we were shown respect as truck drivers and uh, valuable members of society during the uh, COVID epidemic, but it uh, seems to me that it might have just been lip service and uh, actions since aren't uh, backing up that uh, those... Uh, statements or those words of encouragement that we received and uh, it's about time we did. How much respect is there in uh, seeing truck drivers bashed when they're trying to have a rest break at Bogabilla or anywhere else for that matter? How much respect is there in using five and six hundred dollar fines for clerical errors and logbooks as a thin end of the wedge to bring in ele- electronic logbooks? How much respect is there having blitzes on logbooks because they happen to have a little bit of a, a spurt at Maroon and uh, who knows what the cause of all that was because the lack of respect was shown by no transparency in these reports and 
headlines that uh, rubbish is every chance they get. I, I really don't know uh, some days why the police has a media unit other than to knock people um, because uh, there's a lot they don't tell us. But the respect that should be shown to us is also missing in society in general and there needs to be something done about it. There's no respect shown towards Mike Williams and our podcast or on the road radio or even Truck and Life as he's been seeking to get interviews from police ministers and uh, commissioners about the uh, the problems in Bogabilla and what they tend to do about it. Uh, they obviously, uh, they're obviously hiding uh, behind a, a wall of advisors. And for what reason? Because they don't have the respect to fess up to us that they've got a problem that they're having trouble dealing with. They don't have the respect to show some empathy towards the truck drivers that have been assaulted or anyone else for that matter, the people in the motel, there's all sorts of reports about. They don't have the, the self-respect to realise that if it's good enough for us to be on, on duty 24-7, putting our lives and our careers, our uh, relationships on the line every day of the week, it's good enough for them to get off, off their butts and, and, and deal with this 24-7. Get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and talk to the, the senior officer on scene and see what he's got to say, and, and even if it was to apologise for not having foreseen that these problems would get out of hand to the extent they have. But the main place that respect is missing is in the families and the lives of these <coughs> juvenile offenders. And it's an epidemic Australia-wide. It's not just happening at Bogabilla or Gundawindi or Moree. It's happening in Alice Springs and North Queensland. Townsville and Cairns are absolute mess. And, and it just gets worse and worse. And it's, it's all to do with social media and family. No respect for, for uh, decency on social media. No respect for how people have been offended against my field to see it replayed on, on TikTok or any of these other garbage that we've got. And no respect for themselves because they don't care what happens to themselves. Well, the lack of respect obviously started in their home with their family. They haven't been brought up right. They haven't been brought up to respect themselves and others. They haven't been brought up to respect authority. And I think the only way we're going to be able to deal with this, and no one's going to like this suggestion, especially the bleeding heart do-goodies who think we should just slap them on the wrist and until they're 18 they can't be held accountable, well, someone has to be bloody well held, held accountable because it's out of control. So my theory is, or my suggestion is, when they round up these kids, if it becomes obvious that they're, they're younger than 18, even if they're 17 and a half, I don't care, as well as rounding the kids up, they better go and round up the parents and charge the parents with being accessories to the fact for not having put their kids in the right, right frame, not having taught their kids respect respect for the law, respect for others, respect for themselves, respect for social order and justice. It's about bloody time someone stood up, and that's what I'm trying to do today. Catch you later. Hello again. Just a little PS to uh, my little rant this morning. Um, I don't care what side of the tracks, what side of the, the city or what part of Australia these people come from, what colour their skin is or what their social standing is. There's kids troubled and committing crimes all over the place and they're not only Indigenous kids. There's plenty of troubled white kids out there too. So my thoughts about uh, what to do about 
getting some respect back into the community applies to everyone, regardless of where they live, how they live. Thank you. This is Josie, and you're listening to On The Road Radio and Podcast. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. When they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better. We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, g'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. Taking us out of the show for this week, here's our old mate Tom Curtin from the Catherine Outback Experience with his brand new single, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now.
Proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. (laughs) 